Hi, I'm Dr. John Newfeld, and you're watching Truth and Life Today. Today, we're going to talk about the poor. What is the Christian response to the poor? How do we respond wisely? And how do we respond generously? But in our response, how do we make sure that we haven't harmed the poor and simply assuaged our own consciences? You hear what I'm saying? It's important for every Christian to ask this question, what am I to do about the poor? It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. Listen to these words from James chapter 2, verses 14 and following. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So faith by itself, if it does not have deeds or works, is dead. I think every Christian who has been uh, faithful to the scripture knows that we have an obligation to the poor. I remember in Acts chapter 15 when Paul is telling the rest of the church of his mission to the Gentiles, they give him absolute freedom to carry it on, but they remind him that he is to remember the poor, the very thing he says, I was eager to do. And so when you read through the agenda of the New Testament, it always has the preaching of the gospel as absolutely central. We tell of Christ crucified and of his offer of forgiveness of sins through Jesus always first and foremost. But there's also an obligation that comes behind it. Because Christ is interested in people, the care for the poor always becomes a part of gospel proclamation. And we need to talk about that today. I'm speaking with Barry Sloan White, who for some 36 years has been the director of Compassion Canada, an organization that deals with the poor worldwide. Barry's got a lot to say about this very subject. He can help us to understand what's wise and what's not. He speaks to us about our use of money, and he speaks to us about our use of resources. Barry Sloan White has been on this program before, and he is a marvelously interesting and insightful person to listen to. Well, what a joy it is to have Barry Sloan White here. Uh, Barry, welcome to Truth Thank and you. Life. Good to be it's here. a joy to have you. I know we've had conversations in the past, and some of our listeners might be aware of that. But today, because of your role with Compassion Canada for so many years, I want to talk about what's an appropriate response to the poor of the world. Uh, can I start this way? Churches all over Canada and North America are sending short-term missions teams uh, we're also giving. Um, are we doing anything wrong? Are we doing anything right? Help us out with some of that. Oh, my, my, my response is, ouch. <laughs> ouch. <laughs> you're, you're touching on a, a very sensitive area in, in Christian life here in Canada. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I've got 36 years uh, of experience working in global missions. I've worked in over 61 countries. I have seen everything you can imagine from stellar, very stellar godly work to work in the name of God that has been totally embarrassing and, uh, and suspect. 
So that's what we want to unpack because I think anyone watching today is going to say, look, God has put on my heart a concern for uh, Christians in poverty-stricken nations, and I want to respond. Yeah. But I want to respond wisely. So for the wise person, let's build some of those principles. Okay, so here's an important foundational principle. God has established this thing we call the church, right? It's the only institution he created to bring the good news of the gospel to the world. Amen. God didn't create parachurch organizations. Man created them. They're good, great idea, but God created the church. The church is alive and, in most cases, well and healthy all around the world. Yes. In, in, the, in the most remote areas, you will find a church. In the jungles, you will find a church. It may not be a building. It may be under a mango tree. So the church is alive. It's well. It's strategically placed here on earth by its creator, God. Its role is clear. What we need to understand as Christians in North America is how do we come alongside and help that church? Right. Not replicate it, not compete with it, not inundate it with our resources. I have seen all the above. But how do we come alongside and help that church? Because that church has the same passion and vision that we have, bringing people to Jesus Christ. We have to to maintain the fundamental truth that the, the gospel is the answer to the needs of the world, whether those needs are poverty and lack of, or whether those needs are social, emotional, whatever. The gospel is the answer. So we, we put those foundational stones together, the church, the gospel, and then we strategically move alongside the local churches around the world to help them. One of the unique things that attracted me to compassion and that I still I still just am in awe that we've been able to do that. We have over 7,000 local churches around the world that we partner with. Yes. We have about just over 2 million children in, in those programs. We do, not, we do not encourage the local church to put any compassion branding up. So you go to one of our projects anywhere in the world, I would hope you would not see a compassion sign. Hmm. I would hope that what you see is the local church, their identity, because we want the people in that community to see that local church at work. It is that entity that is Christ's hand locally. So, Barry, if I'm, and I do, I support kids through compassion. Mm. Um, what does that look like on the ground? I'm, I'm sending my money to compassion. I've got a name of a child. Yeah. And um, how, what, what's actually going on there? So the Compassion Project is at a local church. Right. So we work exclusively with the local church. It's a program that the church adopts or takes as their own. We create the curriculum. We create the structure of the program. The church takes it as their own. It's the church's program. They own it. They run it. We finance it so that your money goes to that local church. doesn't right. go to the child. It goes to the local church. The local church then has a process of how they 
implement the Compassion Program. You know, m- many people are aware of, of uh, groups that, uh, that provide churches with programs, yep. you know, whatever, after-school small group programs. The church adopts them and, and they become their own. That's the Compassion Program. That's why we, we, we don't want our name on it. It's not a Compassion Church. It is whatever the local church okay, is. Okay, so let me let me help us out here because um, that child that that church would now be helping, uh, the church is providing that child with with what? Barry? Yeah, so it's an after school program. The child goes to the local school in in their village or community, comes to the church, and at the church they enter into the program that Compassion created that the church now adopts. So it would be a tutoring a component to that program, helping them with their homework, because probably their parents are illiterate. So education is yeah. a real important fa- Important. Factor. There's spiritual uh, training, because we want, our goal is, is for those children to, to have an opportunity to receive Christ. We don't force them, right. just like we don't force our own children. Right. You're, your, 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 your help is not dependent upon exactly. whether or not you, you respond. You can enter and exit our program without ever becoming a Christian. Yeah. But you will have many opportunities. You will hear the you gospel. You will hear the gospel. You hear of Jesus' yeah. great love for yeah. you. You'll learn the yeah. Bible. You'll, yeah. Yeah. And, and last year, as a typical year, about 150,000 of those children accepted Christ. Wow. Our research tells us that for every child that accepts Christ, at least four family members come to Christ. So you can you can add that up and think of the revival impact that that has. So so the 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 child comes to the after school program. Oftentimes there are weekend like Saturday programs, like a DBS DBBS type of program. Right. Uh, the child will get uh, will be assigned a tutor, an adult Christian tutor, to work with them. That tutor will do the house visits on usually a weekly basis. Uh, they'll be get the health care that they need if they need surgery, everything from um, hearing aids to open heart surgery. We provide that for the children. Um, they will go on day trips. They will see the ocean, the beach, maybe for the first time. They'll go to a zoo because we want to socialize them. Uh, they'll learn uh, skills. So every one of our children will leave the program having a skill that they can earn money with, right. uh, whether they go on to to college or university, it, they will have some kind of, of a practical skill. So that's what happens at the local church. So if I can put all of what you've just said in, in a nutshell, it's compassion sees its ministry as empowering the local church to do the ministry. Absolutely. And so the local church now receives resources. I, Barry, I think that's that's crucial as we think about how should we respond to brothers and sisters around the world? Because there are times, I think, when we, in our own you know, passion to see something happen or passion to be involved, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, we'll go overseas on a short-term assignment. Uh, we'll bring all of our own resources with us. We'll conduct all of the vacation Bible school stuff and build a local building and everything else. We come in there and we do our thing and we feel great about it. We go home and we say, praise Jesus. But I see you smiling because you think that might not work. Well, I'm smiling because I have 36 years of experience in trying to pick up the pieces after many of those mission trips. I believe in mission trips. My daughter, both of my daughters 
went on missions trips. One spent a whole year in Thailand. Others spent extended time in Guatemala. I believe in them. But I think we have to step back and we have to reassess our motivation and our strategy. Uh, mission trips are not going to be successful in changing the world. Mission trips can be successful in you being changed. You know, our young people need that experience. They need to see the reality of poverty. Barry, when we come back now, we're going to talk about exactly those things. What is it that we can do well? Yeah. And what are those things that really we should be repenting, I think, of and asking the Lord to forgive us so that we see ourselves in partnership, not taking over? Absolutely. We'll be right back in Truth and Life with Barry Sloan White of Compassion Canada. I'm back with Barry Sloan White. Barry, it's great to be talking about our relationship to the rest of the world and the church. I think part of being a Christian means there's a worldly mindedness, and I don't mean it in the negative sense. I mean that we become more aware of the world. We become more aware of our brothers and sisters around the world. I think we're becoming more and more aware of the suffering church around the world, and we are aware of the impoverished church of the world. Mm. I think it's a natural reaction for believers who are following after Christ and wanting to make Christ Lord in everything to say, Lord, show me where I might be involved. But having talked to you, I know that I think out of goodwill sometimes, we pour our money into the poor and it might not be doing what we think it should be doing. Yeah, we, we all have a propensity to want to help, like hands-on help, Yeah, right? I'm that way. I was raised in a carpenter's home. Uh-huh. My dad taught me skills with my hands that I love to use to help people. But here's the thing. With, with our short-term missions endeavors, we often don't stop to ask the right questions. And one of the important right questions is, Pastor, what do you need? That is pastor at the local church. At the local church in Guatemala or the local church in the Philippines or, or um, Ethiopia or wherever. What are your needs? And it, when that question is asked, I can guarantee you the answer is not going to be what you think. But if you go in offering, if you go in offering, oh, I visited your church. Look at the holes in the roof. Oh, we can fix that. Uh, look, look at the, the electrical wiring or, or lack of or whatever. If you offer that, I can tell you the pastor's not going to say no for two reasons. One, culturally, it's just not right. Culturally, they agree with you if you're a foreigner. Secondly, well, they're not going to turn down the opportunity to have some things fixed. So if you come with a suggestion, and this is how often these trips originate, Someone sees a need, a physical need, and they say, I got the answer. I know how to do that. And so we've got a great amount of skilled trades people among our Christian community who, why not use them, right? There you go. So, uh, but the right question would be, Pastor, how can we come alongside of you in your church in Guatemala, in Bolivia, wherever, and serve you? And I will tell you from my experience, which is pretty vast with Thousands of churches. We have over 7,000 churches in our program. 
that the number one request of a pastor will be relationship. I crave relationship. I need relationship. I need your church in Canada to come alongside me and my church and to get to know us. And they will say things to me. They won't say that necessarily to, to the, the mission team leader that's coming to investigate because they don't want to offend. But they will say things to me like, can you ever imagine you guys from Canada sending a team down with no tools, no agenda, just getting to know us? Can you ever imagine that happening? I'm going, it would be a pretty hard one to sell. <laughs> Because we'd see. feel like a failure, right? Yeah. We'd feel like freeloaders. But that pastor in that church would crave that kind of relationship. Come, come walk with us. Come pray with us. Come go through the village and, and sit in people's homes and get to know them, hear their stories and pray with them. Then, then let's talk about what the next step would be and what a relationship might be. But we're, we're so, our psychic, our DNA is, is so determined to get things done. We've got a short window. We've got two weeks or two 10 weeks. days. Yep. We, we put a lot of money in this. You know, we've, we've invested forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 in airfares and that. We, we can't waste a minute. So here's, here's, here's the typical stereotype. The group from Canada comes in with all the fancy tools, with the agenda, with the know-how, Basically, either verbally or by just by the way they act, the the locals are made to believe they need to just step aside and let this team get to work because they only got a few days, and if it rains, it's going to mess things up. So, so they get in, do all the work. Oftentimes, they'll leave the tools and equipment. Okay, let's talk about that leaving of the tools because I know we've had a conversation about well, that. I have You've got an example. I have, I have more than one ah. example where a, a team came in from Canada, did some physical repairs on a church building, left all these amazing DeWalt tools, like every tools I would just drool to have. The team wasn't at the airport to leave before church members were fist fighting. There was an actual fist fight going on for the tools. Who owns the tools? Ah. And, and the pastor tried and intervened, and he actually got uh, some, some, uh, <laughs> some hands laid on him. <laughs> and it basically, the group left with an amazing new roof on the church and a whole electrical system installed in the church, including a generator, but no church. So the Canadians went back and said, praise Jesus. We've done a wonderful Probably work. Probably wrote a book on it. And, and, <laughs> and, and left behind a place in chaos yeah. because of well-meaning, well but yeah. not very wise, shall yeah. we say? Yeah. So tools, how about when a group comes in and just simply says, you know, we're going to do vacation Bible school or we're going to hand out, you know, evangelistic literature and we're going to comb the whole community. Uh, what's your experience with that? That can work, but again, here's the important thing. You step back first and you build relationships. Like I would say, send some scouts first. Uh Send a few of your key leaders to the church, get to know the church, do what I suggested earlier, spend some time there with no agenda and no equipment. Get to know the church, ask them 
what are your needs? What are your vision? Like I remember a church in Honduras. I took a pastor, my own pastor from my church. And our church was one of those mission trip churches. We were sending teams and bragging about it all around the world. Uh, I took my pastor with me on a trip and, and I charged him with getting to know some of these pastors. And, and for my pastor, that was, that felt like a waste of time because he's a get things done type of guy, right? right. So we, we actually spent more time than I think he appreciated just talking with pastors, just praying with them, just visiting with them and uh, asking them, what's your vision for your community? Right. right. That's a key question because then from that, you can learn and discern how can then we come around you? So one pastor said this. He said, you know, we have a lot of youth in our city, in the part of the city where our church is. My dream is to have a big concert and attract the youth and be able to present the gospel. But we need some quality music to do that. Right. My pastor said, I can help. Yep. We have got an incredible music team. My music pastor used to be on the road leading a band. We can do that. So they together built a plan. Our church sent our, our worship team down, yep. and they put on, with the local church there, a huge citywide music rally that attracted thousands of young people. That's very cool. That set that church in a whole new direction. And God blessed that effort and many young people came to Christ and are still coming to Christ yeah, through yeah. that. So the lesson is not send your worship team down. The lesson is speak with the local exactly. pastor, yeah. key leaders on the ground, find them with their hearts cry. Yeah. Barry, before we're done today, I want you to flog your book. Would you do that? Uh, Strategic Compassion, you've written that. What's it all about? It's really about us helping to understand the, what I call the theology of poverty. That's, those are big words. Yep. But we have, we have been led to believe by media, by marketing, that the answer to poverty is money. Right. Just give more money. Put more money in the missions offering. Call this 800 number. Give us your credit card. Just give us more money. We can get the job done. If that were true, we would have the job done by now because billions of dollars have been donated by Christians Right. to help alleviate poverty. We are, we are well, well behind the eight ball. So you're really trying to help believers to know how do we use our resources wisely when we give out of a generous heart to the poor? Yeah, so the title is Strategic Compassion, Strategic Giving, Strategic Loving. How do we do that in, in a way that gives us the most impact, just like you and I would invest for our retirement? Very good. Right? How do we how do we choose the right vehicles to give us the return on investment? So how do we invest the money that we're already giving, but more wisely, so that it is kingdom impacting? Amen. Thank you, Barry Sloan White. It's a joy to speak with you. It's insightful, and I hope as well that that our listeners will get a deep sense of what God is calling them to do in the present hour. Be useful for the kingdom of God. Uh, give generously and use your resources in such a way that brings glory to God. Ask God for wisdom. Barry, thanks for being a part of it's this It's a program. pleasure. It's a pleasure. 
want to thank Barry for being a part of this program, and I, I thank you for being a part of it as well. I hope it's given you an opportunity to think. Living in the modern era has changed our whole relationship to missions. Uh, when the early missionaries in the modern Protestant missions movement first began, a great many of them would have taken as much as a year to get to their actual missions assignment, and they never came home. They spent a lifetime ministering to people, learning languages, identifying with the people that they were ministering to, and then translating the Bible into their language, making it known, and also caring for the needs of people. The day in which we live in today, simply because of the ease of travel and because of the technology of our day, has allowed us to send mission teams, we call it short-term missions. You know, it's a, it's a two-week assignment in which we do this hit-and-miss thing, in which we go overseas and we come back. It turns out we're spending so much, we're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars that we would have sent to long-term missions in the past for these short-term missions teams. You know, Barry, I think, presents us with a balanced perspective. He knows the poverty of what we sometimes do. We haven't learned the local situation, and so we've come and we've, you know, we've ganged up on a local pastor and sometimes left the church in shambles after we've left while we feel good about ourselves. We simply don't know what we've done. So I think there's a couple of things to remember. I think believers who are concerned about the global church ought to be concerned about how to bless the local church first rather than blessing ourselves and doing a short-term missions assignment. We need to think more deeply and soberly about what we do. At the same time, Barry has helped us to see that not all short-term missions is bad, but unwise short-term missions is bad. I'm going to ask people in local churches to think more deeply, to read more widely, and to be more discerning in what God calls them to do. And let's not forget our obligation to long-term missions, to the local church on the ground in the various countries that we're concerned about. You see, I think it's this kind of a thoughtful approach that maximizes our impact and leads us to a sense of partnership with churches around the world. We're together working with them as equals to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is spread. Let's do that faithfully. Thank you for watching Truth and Life today. We want to be obedient Christians and we want to be wise Christians at the same time. Let's make our lives and our ministry count for the glory of God. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more interviews, episodes, and Bible teaching content. Uh, thanks for joining us today.